Welcome back to Squatch Ranger Files. This is the Squatch Ranger himself. I took a few months off, guys. I apologize, but I am back, ready to do some more podcast shows for you. So, just a few announcements here. We've expanded the show to the Anchor platform, and we are very excited to be here. Anchor helps the show reach Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. We hope to grow our audience and are able to continue to bring you the latest Bigfoot reports from around the country. The show has also been added to the Amazon Music app under the podcast section. We are also very excited to be a part of the Amazon community. So no matter what avenue you go to listen to the podcast, you got several options. So please, find one of those and listen to Squatch Ranger Files. If you are a new listener to the show, welcome! You are now an official Squatch Ranger. Your duties include, have an open mind, ask questions, trust but confirm, and always seek the truth. Thanks for joining the show. Now like I said, it has been a while since I've been on here. Uh, a few, few more announcements. Back in February, February of 2022, we had an NOBRO training weekend, and several new members joined our organization, the Native Oklahoma Bigfoot Research Organization. And so we do have several new members. So congratulations to our new members that joined back in February. We also announced our Investigator of the Year. Our organization actually has an Investigator of the Year. That was Evans Bailey. He was named as our Investigator of the Year, so congratulations to him. Very well deserved. 
Also, please visit nobrobigfoot.org and go to the team members page and read about our new members and don't hesitate to contact and visit with them about Bigfoot activity going on in your area of Oklahoma. Alright, we're going to move on to listener comments from previous episodes. So this is from Squatch Ranger Files episode 53. In that episode we talked about audio waves and game and trail cameras and maybe the different sounds they could make and maybe Sasquatch and Bigfoot can pick up on the sounds in the woods. So here's where these comments are coming from. This is from Livewire. I firmly believe they can see the infrared light on cameras. I had 19 game cams in the woods around the perimeter of my yard. The only benefit, really, of using the cams is it changed the direction they would approach the house. On my security cameras, you could turn off the infrared lights and have mics also. I caught more evidence this way, and I would also relocate the cameras almost daily since they were battery-powered. Very, very cool. Um, So to relocate the cameras that often because they're battery-powered, that's really cool. To, uh, that's a cool technique to try to catch them. And also that's kind of cool to just turn off the camera option and use just the mite recordings of the mites. And he says he got more evidence that way, so that's really neat. Okay, this comes from Red Dirt Cryptid Investigations. I wonder if we could train ourselves somehow to hear sounds outside of our normal ranges. Well, Red Dirt Cryptids, I'm not sure if we can actually train ourselves to do that, but... If we can, that would be really, really neat. So if we can come up with some kind of training system to do that, let me know. And Red Dirt Cryptid Investigations also writes, Funny encounter. And then he writes, quote, If you have poo, fling it now. End quote. Madagascar movie. So he's referring to the story where the Sasquatch was in the river and it was crouched down on a rock. And according to this report from the last episode, it was going to the bathroom, number two style, and it was flinging the poo at the eyewitness. And so he was quoting a funny line from the Madagascar movie, which my kids have seen, but I'll need to go back and watch that particular part he quoted to see that part. But funny stuff. Thank you, Red Dirt Cryptids. All right, moving on here. If you would like to share your encounter story with us, please email squatchranger at gmail.com. We collect reports for Squatch Ranger files. We collect reports for the Native Oklahoma Bigfoot Research Organization. And we file your reports into our database. Okay, want to move on to something else, some new business. I promised my nine-year-old daughter that I would feature her Bigfoot drawing on the show so here is her drawing and she's really funny because she'll tell me all the time she'll say dad Bigfoot's not real and so I always say well I've got really good friends who have actually seen one so I think the proof is out there in the eyewitness reports anyway she likes to draw Bigfoot she's a big-time artist she loves to draw so I did promise her to feature her Bigfoot so I'm gonna go ahead and open it up if you have a a son or a daughter or grandkids that would like their artwork featured on the show, please submit it into squatchranger at gmail.com. I would love to showcase young artists' Bigfoot artwork. 
Also, if we just have any other artists that are interested in drawing and having your Bigfoot drawings and work used in the show with the encounter stories, please email me and submit your artwork. I would love to use some of our listeners' art in the show. So once again, submit that to squatchranger at gmail.com. Yes, I am looking for talented artists who can draw very well and featuring your artwork to go along with the encounter stories when I narrate the stories. A couple more announcements. So our group, the Native Oklahoma Bigfoot Research Organization, had a hike at Chandler Park on May 15th, 2022. They were scouting the area for signs of Bigfoot activity since the single track was found in Chandler Park back in December of 2021. Chandler Park is another example of land in close proximity to city limits of a more populated area where Bigfoot could be hiding out just like we discussed in episode 52. So yes, Chandler Park, if you haven't heard, we were contacted and there was a track found in Chandler Park. I went out and measured it. It was 17 inches in length and about six to seven inches in width, ball width, and about four inches at the heel width. Me and another gentleman from our organization, we casted the print. We do have a cast of it. This Chandler Park is very close to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And Tulsa is a little bit more of a populated area, especially in Oklahoma. It's the second largest city in Oklahoma. And so Chandler Park is right there. If it's not in Tulsa city limits, it's right next to Tulsa city limits. And it's right on the Arkansas River. It's a great spot for maybe a Bigfoot to hang out temporarily, in my opinion, not long term. So maybe that's what was happening, but very, very interesting. We had some of our team go out and look for signs. They didn't see any signs, but they had a really good hike. Okay, very good. So today's episode is going to be a little bit different. Instead of me narrating the stories, I'm going to use some phone interview recordings of some eyewitnesses and let them tell their accounts themselves. All right, so... Without any further ado, here are the phone interviews that I had with a couple of eyewitnesses. Everyone's going to remain anonymous, but they gave some great reports. So, please enjoy. Number 129. Bigfoot punches van on Indian Nation Turnpike near Hugo, Choctaw County, Oklahoma. Class A. Nighttime Sighting. And 
I started having trouble with it, so I pulled off the road, stopped, turned it off for a little bit, and I was sitting there, and, and there was just a little bit of light outside. It was like, oh, it, we, that night we didn't have a full moon. It was more or less like a half moon, so there, there, was, there was light, but there wasn't that much light. And I'm, after about 10 minutes, I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, something hit like the back of my van from the top. Well, I thought, well, when it first happened, I thought maybe somebody had come off of the highway and hit me from behind. Because, I mean, it, it was that much of a jolt. My, uh, my van, my driver's seat in my van at the time, had a swivel seat so I could turn around and, and transfer it in and out of my wheelchair. So I, I kind of turned my seat around and looked toward the back, and I seen something dark or darker up against the back of my van. I couldn't, I couldn't make out any features or nothing. It was like whatever was standing outside of my van, if there was a head or shoulders or whatever, it would have had to have been above the top of my van because you couldn't see it. And, uh, and then next thing I know, it was like it, it went around on the passenger side of the van, of the van at the back. And it was like, I don't want to say it was trying to pick it up, but the van, the van was rocking from the passenger side to the, to the driver's side for like, for like two or three seconds. And I mean, I was petrified. I thought, oh my God, what in the world? And I wasn't about to get out or try to get out. So I'm sitting there and next thing I know, I turn back around and look and I see this thing crossing the interstate. I mean, there, there was no traffic, no nothing, especially like at one o'clock in the morning. And I seen this thing crossing the road, and it looked like it was probably seven, seven feet, seven and a half feet tall, maybe. And I mean, this thing was huge. And I'm sitting there, I mean, I'm shaking like a leaf. And uh, so finally, I sat, I sat there maybe another five minutes or so. I had the windows, kinda, I, I had my driver's side window kind of rolled down halfway. And I kept hearing this, oh, you've heard of people say that they hear these, it's kind of like a flip, a, a flip noise. That's what it was. But it was, it was way over on the other side of the interstate where it had crossed, where it had crossed back over. And you know, used to, when we used to go down in, down in that area, well, well when it was light and you could see everything. I used to tell my brother, I said, you know, I, I'd always heard back, even back 15, 20, 25 years ago about Bigfoot sightings and stuff down around the southeast part of the state. And I mean, that area down there is perfect for something like that. I mean, the, the hills, the hills and the I don't want to say it's it's not really forestry, but what in the world would you call it? 
Yeah, j- yeah, just just a wooded area down in there. I mean, it's like perfect, something like that. And but anyway, that night after I finally got my van started, I mean, I drove all the way back up to forty to get you know to get back on forty to come home, and I was I was still shaking, and I I didn't tell. Anybody about this for probably 2021, well, yeah, 2021, last year, I decided to tell a friend of mine about it. And, you know, you know how people are, they look at you and go, yeah, right. And it's like, you almost have to see it before you believe it. Kind of like the way people look at flying saucers and stuff. Well, the same friend of mine, last summer... Probably the early part of summer, he and I were talking, and I, I was just joking. And I told him, I said, hey, I said, some weekend, I said, me and you need to get together and get us a tent and go out camping and, and go Bigfoot hunting. And he looked at me and he said, where in the crap are you going to go Bigfoot hunting at? And I, you know, especially in Oklahoma, and that's when I told him about what had happened down around Hugo. Back to our story, I finally talked him into going down there, and he kept asking me, he said, now how are you going to go down there and go out in the woods? Because the only way I have of getting around is I have a power, a power chair, a power wheelchair. And he said, he said, you'll get in there, and he said, you'll get stuck just as sure as the world, you know. And he said, why don't you come by the house, and I'll hook a trailer up to the van, and we can take my four-wheeler. And I said, oh, man, I said, that'd be great. I said, we could get around on that easy. So we, I went and got a tent and everything, and we were going to go down there and go camping overnight, and he, uh, we got down. We got down there. Oh God! About four thirty in the afternoon, and that's when it was still kind of getting dark early. So we got we got everything set up, got the tent and everything set up, and it was starting to get dark. About seven thirty, it, it already. I mean, it was already dark, and we start hearing these tree knocks, and I mean, several of them were loud and they they were like it was like you you would hear a tree knock like five minutes apart. Yeah, just just one single knock. I told my friend, I said I said, see if you can find some kind of a sick limb or something that we can use to try to maybe do a tree knock and see if we can get you know get it to respond back. So he kind of looked around and found this pretty thick, kind of like a log, sort of, maybe about five or six, five and a half feet long. And we took it, slammed it up against this tree, and the knock, and this is what got me, the knock we made wasn't very loud at all. And about two or three minutes later, we hear another knock. And my friend goes, I think I'm going to get in the van and lock the doors. I said, no, I said, you, I said, you stay right here with me. I don't know how far out it was around the camp.
campsite that you could hear something like walking through the woods and like smashing down branches like you know like stepping on tree limbs and stuff because you, you could you could hear them cracking and i told my friend i said man i said there's either somebody out there walking around watching us or it's a, or it's or it could be maybe a bigfoot i had, i had this big flashlight that i took and I took it and was kind of shining around through the trees and stuff. Never did see anything, never seen any like, uh, like eye shine or anything like that, you know, like from the animal or anything. But I mean, for like an hour, we could hear something walking around the campsite. And so I told my friend, I said, I said, you know, I said, I'm with you. I said, I think I'm going to get this up. So, we got in the van set, and I told him, I said, I said, just get in the van, lock the doors, and crack the windows a little bit so we, so we can hear outside. Well, we got in the van, and we were sitting there, and it might have been maybe 15, 20 minutes, and something was, something kept throwing rocks at the van. And I, and I told my friend, I said, man, I said, so help me. If something walks up to the van to where we can see it, I said, I'm out of here. I said, I'll start the van and leave everything behind. But whatever, whatever was throwing rocks at the van, it never did actually come up to us. It, it just kept throwing stuff. You know, and I just can't, you know, I can't tell my friend, I said, for the life of me, I can't see that being just say like an individual that would do that you know taking the chance that somebody could be armed and everything i i just i just can't see somebody doing that we sat in the van for about an hour and after oh, about 15 or 20 minutes the uh the rock the rock throwing stuff stopped so we got out got in the tent and I told him, I said, I said I'm, I'm just going to stay in my chair and, and not get out. Because the way my chair is made, I, I can kind of recline it if I need to. So I thought, well, if I, if I go to sleep, I'll just sleep in my chair. So we made it through the night. Never did hear nothing else or anything. We started tearing everything down, tearing the tent down and getting everything packed up and Man, I tell you what, we had just got the tent and everything put in the van, and we were standing there, and or my friend was standing there, and we kept hearing this whatever it was walking through the walking walking through the woods because you, you could hear the branches and stuff cracking again, and here it was. I mean, it it was light. I mean, you could see. But we could we couldn't see nothing. But you you could sure you could sure hear it in there walking around. Oh God, you know I'm not I'm not that good a judge about yards or anything. But it was probably oh God, maybe a hundred. I'm just guessing. I'm gonna say a hundred yards out or so. And I'm, I'm just guessing at that because I I, don't, I can't really. 
comes out feet than I do yards and stuff. So, and we heard, we heard that. We heard the walking around again till, clear up until we left. I told my friend, I said, you know, I said, it makes me wonder if whatever it is was in there walking around to make sure that we were going to leave, you know, or whatever. So we, we finally got in the van and took off. And I mean, that's all we talked about coming back. The night down there around Hugo was what scared the crap out of me. I mean, that, that couldn't, that couldn't have compared to going to Brown Springs. I mean, or Brown Springs couldn't have compared to that. Cause I mean, that, to actually have something walk up to the back of my vehicle, you know, when I told you that it, it sounded like it hit the top of my van, it would have had to have hit the top of my van with its arms, which I, I, I don't, I don't have any guts, I guess. If I would, if I would have got out of my van that night to even try to maybe see what it was, if that thing, which, you know, I, I can't see it, I can't see a Bigfoot or something like that actually approaching somebody, you know, to, to maybe check that person out or whatever. But in my situation, if something like that would have happened, I couldn't have got away fast enough, you know, being, being in a wheelchair and all. That night when I watched it cross the interstate, it was like, it might have, it, I, it may have took like four steps and it was across the highway. See, I'm, try, I'm trying to remember whether the Indian nation has a median. See, I can't remember it. I know it's not like a, a lot of the turnpikes in Oklahoma in the middle of the lanes they'll have like a barrier, like a, like a pretty thick barrier, but I can't remember whether Indian nations like that or not. But I mean, it, it, if Indian nation has, you know, has a median, if it's very tall, I mean, it was up and over that median and across the other side and nothing flat. But after, after it crossed the highway and went, went back over into, onto the other side, that's when I started hearing the, the whooping. Once it got to the other side, it, it may have just stopped maybe. And you, you don't know if it was doing that to maybe call out to something else or what. And they were like maybe five minutes apart. It was like the body, whatever hair it, it had was dark. And I, I could see the shoulders and the head then. And it, it was like, I wouldn't say it was like a monkey. It was like, it, it had no neck. It, to me, it looked like the head just automatically joined the, 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 uh, the shoulders. You know, like the middle of the shoulders was the head. That was it. You couldn't see no neck or anything. Which, you know, when I was looking at it, I was seeing it from the back. If it turned around and looked back at the van at any time when it was crossing, you couldn't tell it. Maybe because it was so dark or whatever, but I mean, this thing was huge. It was like, it had to be every bit of seven and a half feet tall. You know, I, I could, I could kind of see 
Oh, I don't want to see. I don't want to say a really good detail, but you could kind of see the fingers, you know, coming coming off coming off of the hands. But I, I could, you know, it was like everything, you know, was was as dark as it was. Maybe kind of up around the shoulders because when, when it was when it was running or, or whatever. Well, to it, it was probably just walking. But to me, it was running. It was like you could see. Well, you know, like when 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 a person is walking and their arms are moving back and forth, you could see the detail in their shoulders moving. You could see the same with this. You could you could see the the area in the shoulders moving when its arms were going back and forth, and it, it was like it wasn't. Just running across the road with its arms straight down at its side. You know, the, the arms were moving when it was running. And when I was telling my friend about that before we went to Brown Springs, he said, yeah, of all the reports and stuff that you hear about stuff like that, especially down around in that area and stuff, he said, do you think it could have been somebody pulling a prank. And I said, let me ask you this. I said, why would anybody at one, between 1 and one thirty in the morning go out and dress up in a suit or something and try to cross Indian Nation Turnpike? See, when I left to come back home that night and I come up Indian Nation Turnpike north, there was no traffic there was no cars on the side of the road, no nothing. So it, like you say, if it was an individual, they would have had to have parked somewhere. I mean, you can't see somebody doing that. But man, I'll tell you what, see, I'm sitting here getting the trembles just thinking about it. Oh my God. I mean, that was, that was something that I, that I'll never forget. Number 130, father and son hear heavy footsteps near Claremore, Rogers County, Oklahoma. Class B, heavy footsteps. So this is in 2001. Um, I can give you as much information as you need. Uh, I will start off by telling you it was not a sighting. It was a, a pre-dawn morning in November when something came between where my son and I had set up to deer hunt on my stepdad's place. And whatever it was that came through uh, did not run, but had the heaviest footsteps of anything I've ever heard in my life. And it probably lasted somewhere between 45 and maybe slightly over a minute. Um, I've told several people this, this circumstance in the past. And as you probably uh, hear, most people just kind of turn a deaf ear to it. But I, I thought that with me getting a little bit older that I did reach out about a month, a little over a month ago to BFRO, and they said that they would get back. And, of course, I never heard from anybody. 
but I just kind of want to tell somebody if it's something of interest, at least you can you can put a, a pin in the area, and then if something else ever comes up or whatnot, my stepdad passed away in 2001. This was family property, and because it was my stepdad, um, the remainder of the family and I have not had contact in the last 20 years. That was then in November of 2001 was the last time. This this is uh, southwest of Clamore, very near. Um, well, I guess I guess nowadays it would be very near the Verdigris expansion. It is. It it actually is just probably a quarter mile off of the Verdigris River. So it's on. Um, if you come out of Clamore and you're headed toward Verdigris, you don't go very far. All right, well, so old Route 66, you know, cuts the, the, the corner there through Clamore, and there's a road that runs to the west. There is a horseshoe-shaped lake there that my grandparents either add on the place all the time or when they dug coal in the area, they had this lake somewhat altered um it is old um got a lot of uh, old timber around it and it is bordered on its easterly side by coal pits it is it is extremely hard for the average person to get around in. now i think i know my way there quite well from growing up but what happened is from the center portion of the lake, we would put a boat in and we would come back east and we would make the bend in the lake and then we would pull up. So this would have been, I believe, I'm sorry that I can't tell you the exact date. It was the first day of deer season, 2001. I believe it was 11-17. We went up the the day preceding that and put a stand up for my son and he was setting about 15 feet off the ground. I was less than a hundred yards, most likely 80 yards from him. And I was about 10 feet up a tree, which I had hunted out of for three or four years before my dad passed away. Now my dad passed away, my stepdad in September. So we went up thinking everything was still cool with the family to deer hunt. So on Friday, we set these stands, we go back, we go over to my mom's, we spend the night there, then we get up extremely early the following morning, probably 4.30, and we're probably there by 5. Because we knew we had to go in a considerable distance to walk, we try to get there before sunlight because we want to be in the stands and well-seated, and everything calmed down. We had marked the previous day with cat head tacks. I don't know if you're familiar with those, but they will light the way up as you shine low to the ground. Tack has a reflective head on it. So we knew how to get there and not be wandering around fairly aimlessly there. Okay, so it was it was an extremely dark morning i don't know if it was cloudy or it was just moonless but it was dark as dark you had to have a flashlight to see what was going on 
we get in there. I put my son in his stand. I come back. I get up in the tree. And I'm going to guess we had been there somewhere between 15 to 20, 25 minutes. And from the east, kind of heading uh, west-southwest, I hear this just extremely heavy footsteps i don't know how to just how to describe it any other way not a not really a a stomping it was just like something walking what i did here what kind of triggered me off was the fact that these steps were so heavy and then we would hear uh branches break not so much leaves rustling even though it was dry but uh, you would hear that snap Now, my son had a radio, and I had a radio, and he was relatively new to hunting. We had gone there just to try, in fact, to get his first deer. At the time, I was, let's see, I was 43, I believe, so well-experienced in the woods, well-versed in this particular area growing up there all through my teenage years and young 20s. I... I look and I cannot see a a flashlight. My first thought was, okay, it's somebody that is trying to get across this area and go over onto who they call Dr. Sinclair. There is a, a huge, a huge old slough behind this area. And we know that persons go there to duck hunt. And in fact, the property that borders to the south of this had been sold several years ago and we know that those guys duck hunted and they would they would slip through there so i'm looking for the flashlight never see a flashlight this whatever it is seems like it's not impeded by by brush or tree limbs there's no doesn't sound like anyhow that there's any obstacle i called my son on the radio and said Whatever you do, this is walking your direction. It's going to come relatively close to you. I'm going to guess 30, 40 yards away. Do not turn on your light. Don't yell. Don't nothing. Just just sit there and let it go. So I did the same thing. I did not turn on a flashlight and try to see what it was. Um, I'm going to guess that it was about 30 to 40 yards away from me went at its closest point as it cut through. I never smelt anything out of the ordinary. I couldn't tell you which way the wind was, but classically there, there is a southerly wind. So if it was to the north of me and then kind of heading west-southwest, I guess there is a chance that the odor we hear about may have not presented itself. So I have to say that that's about the gist of the situation. It's just that I, in all these years, have never got over the fact of how heavy whatever it was was walking. So I'm going to give you a little background. Again, I have been government contractor for years. I have been in hostile territory. I've worked a lot in places in the U.S., um, well-versed being um, in the hunting industry. I run an outfitting service now. One of my cousins from the Claymore area said, oh, well, maybe it was a bear in the woods. 
I, I will tell you, I have hunted and successfully harvested numerous bear, and a bear is super, super stealthy. I, I mean, I've had them walk right underneath a tree again and just happen to look down and see them. I take, I, that's just where I have to keep going back to. I can't get over the fact of how this one foot after the other going down, but almost like, you know, if you were deliberately trying to stomp and make this huge sound where you would just, you know, go through the brush and break what was in your way or step on it with no regard to that there's anybody else around. You're not used to anybody being there. So in my opinion, whatever it was, you know, had a deliberate goal. It knew where it was headed. It was headed toward this slough and or the river. I, I know that's not a very, oh my gosh, yeah, you saw a Bigfoot or you heard a Bigfoot. i just trying to pass it along that I've got no idea what could make that kind of a trek through the through the bush there. Yeah, look, I, I have, uh, you know, again, been all over the world. So, you know, I worked uh, up at Rainier, Oregon for quite a while. So we, we would go and, you know, go to the mountains. And so you always look, you know, you always hear the stories about Bigfoot there. I had grown up knowing that two of my dad's friends had two encounters at Oolagaw Lake up near Nowata was something that they swear had to be a Bigfoot. And I will tell you, and I'm happy to tell you that story if you have time, but I also, in this slough area, in about the late 70s, I found a single footprint that had three toes that was about the size of a human footprint, barefoot. Now, again, early, late teens, early 20s for me then, and this is in, this, this footprint was somewhere that unless you just happen to be out in this slough, you know, it's not one of those things I would see somebody would be barefooted at that time. When you look at this area and you see the river, then you're going to see what looks like almost, uh, you'll see the river and then kind of a half moon shape uh, pond kind of and then this slough was always out here so it almost just looks like dry ground when you see it so it's a it's a big area just to have this out in the middle in fact what i was doing was kind of slipping up through this slough going to go see if i could you know stumble upon some ducks in the fall so again when i found that i just kind of looked around and said that is that is super weird i'm just going to back up and go back where i kind of know where things are at you know, I really wasn't scared of it or anything. I wouldn't say that I have always believed that there is Bigfoot, but I have, I have from a relatively young age, or well, teen age probably, um, had, had been aware of it and then kind of found some people that my dad knew. My dad was a big hunter. Uh, they were out all the time, coon hunted a lot. So some of the stories that we heard, it, it wasn't a far stretch of the imagination to go, well, okay, so there's there's something there that people don't know what it is. So in that particular day, that was my assessment. But when I first heard it, 
I had no idea what it was because it, I tell you, it almost um, shocked me to hear that kind of footsteps and the deliberation of it walking through the woods. So when I called my son, it was just like, I got no idea what this is, but let's not take a chance of flying, uh, shining a flashlight around and pissing this thing off because you're a considerable distance from me and I don't really want to try to get down and get to you when it's still out there and unaware that we are here seemingly. But yeah, it, it kind of, I would say, scared me enough really get my attention and my adrenaline going thinking my goodness and and another interesting thing i guess we saw virtually no gain that day this is a this is a spot where we have taken big deer out of my dad hunted there stepdad hunted there for years always successful tons of squirrels whatnot that day was pretty dead and the following day we only saw two deer and then we came on home. We just said, you know, which seems like we're wasting our time. So we talked about it a little bit, and he said he could hear it. Now, recently I asked him what he remembers. His health has got kind of bad. He's uh, He's been in the military for quite some time, um, discharged now, but has a lot of health problems. And his recollection of the situation now is, yeah, I kind of remember, but you also got to remember I was 12 years old. So it was this kind of a, you know, I couldn't see it. I could hear, I remember kind of hearing something and you saying sitting still, but his recollection is, is pretty vague on the, on the whole side. Right. And I, I think probably because at that time he had not hunted a whole lot. So he didn't know if something was out of the ordinary. So, um, Dad coon hunted with two guys, and and they had gone up to uh, to to near Nowata to hunt squirrels. So that would have been in the spring. That would have been in May. He could. Uh, it's kind of a bowl, from what I remember, and the tree that they had always seen a lot of squirrels in. He kind of slipped over the edge, and uh, said that you know it, it was early morning. The light. The sun was up, but, you know, it had just barely got up. So sitting there with the 22, and he began to hear something coming through the woods on the ridge up above him, and he smelt a really pungent odor, then began to see that behind him, coming toward where he had came down the bank, he could see smaller trees kind of swaying at the top. And when it got to where he had crossed and came down the hill, it stopped, um, turned around, and left very quietly. In November of the same year, he went back up there in the same location to hunt, even though they had talked about it, they hadn't seen anything, got up in a tree to hunt, and just as it became daybreak, so it it wasn't a clear morning where he could see a whole lot, but something similar to the description I give you of kind of hear some brush cracking and popping and then seeing the trees again kind of sway. Uh, this thing cuts through the brush at about 50 or 60 yards out in front of him and never, never checks up, just a steady gait. He smelt this same pungent odor. They hunted until 9, 10 o'clock, I guess, if I remember correctly. They loaded up and never went back to that area. They said they were done there.
for me, the, the big thing would have been, hey, look, I shined my flashlight on and there's this thing standing there. And I think that you can realize probably why, you know, you got a 12 year old kid and here you are and you got a, a, a flashlight and you do shine it out there. And then this thing, if, if, it, if it's truly a Bigfoot, and I'm not saying that it was, I'm just saying whatever it was had to be big. Something huge had to walk through. And I know we don't have elephants, so, yeah. you know, I, I just didn't feel like it was the proper situation to shine a flashlight there and then this thing go, man, you ought not be here, or you think that's funny to surprise me and throw a light on me? I mean, you just don't quite know in your mind how to rationalize what could happen so so yeah I, I i don't know now that area there was a huge indian encampment there at one time all around the river area there we used to go it was nothing to find 50 60 arrowheads a day and when dad or grandpa turned the field there you could you could fill up a coffee can every two days of picking up arrowheads I, I tell you that because I have no Native American blood. I have a cousin who is half Cherokee, and he and I talk a lot. And we talked recently about this area, and we kind of thought it funny that this big encampment had been there at some point, and then the weird things that happened. It's always an area with the coal pits and whatnot there. You could go and you always had this kind of not really creepy feeling, but like, oh, something's uh, watching me. But I never had anything in all the years I had gone there happen until 2001. I will tell you one more um, little bit of information if you care to have it. So I moved from... Um, where mom and dad had lived, and I moved up near Sequoia around 1982. My wife's stepdad had a place that was less than a mile from us. It's on Atkins Road. And he tells him and his wife told me two stories one time. I, we lived in a travel trailer because we were trying to get on our feet, and we had our, our daughter at the time. Uh, was very, very young. And it just came up about, well, you know, don't be out farting around at night around here because, you know, back in the 70s, early 80s, we had something around the place. Their story is that one night, like so many people, even in the 70s, you just turned your air conditioner off and you opened up all the windows to try to catch a breeze. They had a brick home and it was... It was built on a hillside, so the front porch was much higher off the ground than the back. So when you went out the back and the sliding glass door, you just walked out onto the ground. If you came out forward, you had to get onto the porch and then walk down a set of stairs, and that had this huge elevation change, okay? So they tell me that they had the, the windows open one night. It was dark. I have no idea what time of night it was. It could have been even in, into the morning but that their horses just started snorting and stomping and running and just going crazy. He got up and went to the window and looked out, and they they were kind of on this hillside. There was an old creek that ran down through there, and it, it, was, it was a full moon or near a full moon at the very least, 
and he could see something crouched down in the water doing whatever. The horses, he could tell, were as far against the fence as they could go. Finally, this thing stands up, and you know, it doesn't take much, I guess, for it to, to, to disappear. Had woken up at the same time, and she hadn't seen it, but he said, hey, this is weird. I just, here's what I, I saw. I have no idea what it was. Maybe it was a bear, maybe, maybe somebody, don't know. So within the week, she wakes up at night and goes to the bathroom, comes down the hallway, would have had to turn left to go into the bathroom. And this bathroom is built at this, the front of the house, which has the drop-off. So this is kind of crucial. So I would guess that from the ground to the window sill was at least seven, eight feet. She says she remembers going in. She didn't turn the light on, but she could see kind of a, uh, a, a, a reddish pair of eyes looking through this window. She said she just kind of, kind of looked, went on over, sat down, used the restroom. And while she was doing it, then it kind of came to her. She kind of awoke a little bit more and said, that was weird. Finished her business, stood up, brazenly just looked right out the window and there was nothing there. Went back to bed. The next day they went out and they had some flowers, small shrubs or something underneath the window. When they inspected that the next morning, they didn't see any footprints, but everything was smashed. So, I mean, that's, a, that's just interesting. I, I would not tell you that this is a good source. And, and again, we're just kind of talking now. And so forgive me, but years ago, there was a magazine. Have you ever read Fate magazine? F-A-T-E? If I ever find it, I'll give you a call. But Fate magazine, either in the late 70s or in the 80s, published an article about no water where no water's townspeople were virtually being harassed by what they assumed was Bigfoot. It was repeatedly seen, sheriffs dispatched, and not very many people know that. I only know it from the fact that I had read this article when they were squirrel hunting, having the same encounter up around no water. But I don't know if there's a way to, to find that in an archive somewhere with Fate Magazine, but it would have been late 70s, 80s, somewhere in there.